This is the Trails Church Podcast. At the Trails Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples through the gospel in community and on mission. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website, thetrails.org. Now, here's today's podcast. Uh, well, I'm not Matt Boswell. Um, my name is Max Gilbert, if I haven't met you. <clears throat> I'm a member here at the Trails, um, along with my, my wife, love of my life, uh, by far my better half, by a long shot, Elizabeth Gilbert. Uh, we got two girls, Lily and Felicity. Um, also, not in the first service, my mom and dad are here this morning, my mom and dad. Um, yeah, no, th- absolutely. Um, if you're looking for my dad, he's the uh, ruggedly handsome fellow over here uh, with the flowing locks, and my mother is the, the ageless beauty beside him over here. So y'all, y'all say hi to them uh, if you see them this morning. Uh, our message this morning uh, is going to be centered on one verse at the end of Colossians. So if you have your Bible, uh, just turn there. <clears throat> to Colossians 1 and, um, and stay there. From this one verse, we will draw two main points. Uh, one verse, two points, just three things, easy enough for an Aggie to, to get through. And that was, that was by design. Um, so the heartbeat of this passage is the call on the Christian's life to proclaim Christ. Uh, so before we get into that, I just want to set the stage a little bit by asking us to think about our own Christian journeys, Okay. From, from the time you were saved all the way to now, for all of you who are in Christ this morning, I want you to think of that. And think of all the people that have faithfully proclaimed Christ to you, uh, who, have, who have helped you follow Jesus and done you spiritual good in your life. Um, I know when I started to think through this, immediately, like, pastors came to mind, right? And particularly, like, the pastors when I was a kid. Um, my youth minister, Dewey Watson, wonderful guy when I was in junior high and high school. My mom and dad, who helped me my whole life. My sweetheart over here, who's put up with me for um, 21 years now and tried to keep the trains on the tracks, um, God bless her. My, my, my buddy, Ben Lacey, more recently, um, I just keep thinking, I keep thinking of all these people, all these people that have been a help to me. And I bet you, like, what, about, what about you all? I know, um, I know you have a list, too, of people. Um, so here's what I want to say. I just want us to keep those people in our minds, okay? Keep them in our minds as we move through this service, um, and we'll revisit them a little bit later on. Uh, okay, so <clears throat> one verse, Colossians 1, 28. This is a summary of Paul's ministry to the church. Um, I know that because if you have an ESV Bible, this verse is in a section titled Paul's ministry to the church, right? So <laughs> clues in the title. Um, it is a descriptive passage of Paul's ministry, but more than that, it is also a prescriptive passage to us. Right? So it describes Paul's ministry, but also it is prescribing what all who are in Christ should be about. Uh, so the title of the sermon this morning is Him We Proclaim, uh, and we'll look at it under two main headers, Proclaim Christ to the Lost and Proclaim Christ to the Saints. So if you're able and you would, stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Colossians 1.28 Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Be seated. So right out of the gate here, you see this call, Him we proclaim. It's the title of the sermon, Him we proclaim. And 
<clears throat> while that is more than just an evangelistic call, um, it is first an evangelistic call. So before we get to the entire verse, all right, we're going to just camp on those three words and look at this through the evangelistic lens. And I hope to help shape our thinking on this under three kind of subheaders of, of why we proclaim, what we proclaim, and how we proclaim. Uh, so just as Paul proclaimed Christ, uh, as he says, knowing nothing but Christ and him crucified, right? We're called to do the same. Uh, and the question is, well, why is that? Why is that? Does God need our help to save souls? Um, well, the answer to that is no, he doesn't. Uh, this is the same question that, that Boswell addressed last week when he was preaching on the Israelites in the tabernacle, right? Did God need the Israelites to help him build the tabernacle? The answer is no, he didn't need them. God created the universe in six days. He could manage a tent in the desert by himself if he wanted to, right? But God in his kindness and as part of his divine plan allowed the Israelites to be the vehicle for building the tabernacle, right? And just like, just like he did that, he has allowed us to be the vehicle to spread the light of the gospel into the darkness. Where do I get that? Um, if you look at Romans 10, um, if you're like me, you probably learned Romans 10, 9, and 10 growing up as part of the Romans road. Um, so many of you will know that verse. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. saved. And then Paul, we, and look, that's a wonderful verse. But right below it, Paul asks questions about that. Right, look, look at Romans 10, 14. He says, but how will they call on him in whom they haven't believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? <laughs> and how are they to hear without someone preaching? And then Paul says, blessed are the feet of those who preach the good news. So that is why we share the gospel. It's how God is ordained to save sinners. It is how if you're saved in this room, it's why you're saved. Somebody proclaimed the gospel to you faithfully. And so we do likewise. Uh, equally important to why we proclaim is what we proclaim. Let's be clear on this point, okay? We are called to proclaim Christ, but the Christ of the Bible. It is, it is easy for us, it is easy for us to edit Christ a little bit to suit our purposes, okay? And I think this is the worst, this is just Max speaking, I think this is the worst kind of heresy, Okay? Where, you, where you, you preach a Christ that looks like Christ to so many people, but is not really Christ, and so many people don't know the difference. Um, right now, you see, you see this. This is popular. Um, there are whole churches that preach a Christ that's okay with just certain sins that are kind of in vogue in society right now, um, just to make it more palatable to the masses, right? Uh, less offensive. And then you also see, you see pastors who preach a Christ that's, that's more concerned with our health and prosperity than he is with his own name and glory. Um, brothers and sisters, we are called to preach the Christ of the Bible. And we are called to, as Paul says in, in Colossians 1, 25, to make him fully known, fully known. So we give them all of the Christ of the Bible. That's it, no more, no less, we give them that. And to do that, to do that, we have to first seek Christ ourselves. We have to seek him in the scriptures and we have to know him. So what would, we tell, what would we tell our lost friends about this Christ? Um, well, there is much to say about this Christ. But you can start with the word Christ. 
Uh, that word is not part of Jesus' name. Uh, that is a title that was given to him. It's a, a Hebrew word for anointed one. Uh, but it's a word that they used for their Messiah, the one who would save them. And while we know um, that so many of the Hebrews missed it when Jesus came, we know that Jesus did provide a means of salvation, not just for the Hebrews, but for all of us. The Bible tells us that we're born under the wrath of God because of our sins. And Jesus, through his perfect life and atoning death on the cross, made a way for us to be at peace with God. Uh, it's what Paul means in Colossians 1.20 when he says that, that Christ made peace by the blood of his cross. By dying the death that we deserve to die for our sins, all who would call on him and believe in him and trust him as Savior and Lord, get his righteousness imputed to them, put onto them, and our sins nailed to the cross and forgiven. That's the promise of the gospel. And... And because God raised Jesus from the dead, we know we also have the hope of eternal life for all who are in Christ. So I think that is at the core of what I would want my <clears throat> lost friends to know. I would want to tell them that when we're all gone from this place, right, and we're all like, like gone from this earth, gone from this place, there are only two possibilities here, just two possibilities. One, we can spend an eternity apart from God under his wrath. Or we can spend an eternity as sons and daughters of God in his presence. And the only difference in those two outcomes is whether or not we trusted Christ as Savior and Lord in this life. That's it. That's it. So we, we proclaim this, and I ask you this morning, um, have you trusted this Christ in your life? Um, if you have not, if you're here today and you haven't, the offer of Romans 10.9 is still wide open to you. Amen. Trust in God. Believe in him. Confess him as Lord of your life. Be saved. Be saved today. Uh, and I, I would love it if you come and find me after the service. If God stirs your heart, I would love to talk to you about that. Um, finally, we look at how we proclaim. You go, okay, Max, this is great. I know we're supposed to proclaim Christ. Got it. Um, and you see these guys in the Bible. You see Jesus proclaiming. He's, he's, he's preaching to the masses, right? You see Paul preaching to the masses in the book of Acts. You'll see that several times. You see Peter in Acts chapter 2 with the, the big sermon at Pentecost. He's just preaching to the masses. But most of us are not preaching to the masses, right? So how do we do this? What are we supposed to do? Um, so here I want to get practical for just a minute. Uh, and give you a couple of thoughts that I hope are helpful to you as you think about this. Um, one, on a personal level, I think if we'll purpose ourselves around two things. Um, one, if we live our lives in such a way that our faith isn't a surprise to people, okay? If we live our lives in such a way where we just commonly talk about faith in casual conversation, right? So if we do that on the one hand, and on the other, if we purpose ourselves to pour into, invest time in the lives of the people that God has placed in our own life, in our own circles, if we'll do those two things, I think somewhere at the intersection of those points, there is great opportunity for gospel conversation, many opportunities. And it's up to us to look for those and pray for them and be faithful when they come. Don't let fear of man rule us in that point. Just point to Christ. And then secondly, 
praise God, if we on a, on a corporate level, if you have a healthy gospel culture in your church, which we do, praise God for that, then if you bring your friends here, right, our lost friends, but they're going to get the gospel from everywhere, right? Matt's going to preach it up here every Sunday. We know that. And if you bring them to CG with you, they're going to hear that. They're going to hear gospel conversation. If you bring them to Bible study with you, they're going to hear gospel conversation. So they just get the gospel from all sides. And then, so we, we do this faithfully, and we do like Al Mohler told us three weeks ago, right? We, we do that, and we pray that God would give them eyes to see and ears to hear. Amen? So that is point number one. We proclaim Christ to the lost. Point two is proclaiming Christ <clears throat> to the saints. Okay, so here we take into account the entire verse. We look at what it means to proclaim Christ to the saints, warning them and teaching them with all wisdom so that at that day we could present them mature in Christ, which is to say to present them more like, more conformed to the image of Christ. Um, I could be wrong about this, but my general sense is that I think we have a blind spot a little bit on this point. That's not to say that I don't think we think about presenting anyone mature in Christ. I think we think about presenting ourselves mature in Christ all the time. And that's wonderful. That's wonderful. We should. But brothers and sisters, like, make no mistake. We are called to make disciples of Christ. Amen. Christ made that call. He, on, on his way to heaven in the Great Commission, that comes from Christ. He says, go therefore and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. So we don't just preach Christ to the lost. We also help the saints follow their Savior, right? Those are two calls on our lives. Um, I want to pause here and just say that if, if this idea of discipling just totally freaks you out, okay? Like if you hear me saying stuff like helping people follow Christ and discipling, and you're like, dude, that's, um, yeah, I'm not doing it. That freaks me out. I want to encourage you with this, okay? Um, we do this in our lives all the time. Okay, um, for example, in my house in the fall during football season, we get really excited about football season, okay? And I don't just mean, I don't mean just me. I mean my, my 9- and 12-year-old daughters get excited about football season. And because they are good Christian kids, they yell for the Cowboys. Come on? Okay, so, so look, I could, it is possible, it's possible that I just hit the genetic lottery, okay? And I, I produced two girls who love this man sport, and they get really excited about it, and they know to yell for the good guys. That could have happened. Or I could have taught them all of it, right? <laughs> we do this all the time like oxygen. We don't think about it. I didn't, like, it wasn't like a class where we sat down and I taught them to be Cowboys fans. I just, I love the Cowboys, so I, I made sure my girls did too. Um, and I know that's a silly example, but I promise you could think of 10 things in your life right now that someone's taught you or that you've taught someone else in the same fashion. This doesn't have to be a scary thing. This is a normal thing, showing other people how to follow and chase after the things uh, that, that we love. Um, but let's look specifically now. Let's put all those aside and look specifically at how do we make disciples of Christ. Um, we start where Paul starts, Warning everyone and teaching everyone. Or if you, if you have the NASB, I don't know if we have NASB people in here, but if you have the NASB, it says admonishing every person or each person, teaching each person. Right? So it's this very individualistic look. Right? It's not like to the masses. It's like getting each soul. Right? 
And we see, uh, if we look in the, in the account of, of Paul's ministries in the book of Acts, particularly like Acts 13 and 14, we see how Paul would go to a place and preach the gospel to a place that's never heard the gospel before, right? And then as he was kind of done with his circuit, he would come back and then strengthen the people, all those new believers that he just preached the gospel to. He would strengthen them in their faith. We see this in Acts 13 and 14 where Paul and Barnabas had traveled to, through Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. They made it all the way to Derby. And then it says in chapter 14, or verse, uh, verse 21 of chapter 14, when they had preached the gospel to the people in Derby uh, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples and encouraging them to continue in the faith. And Paul continued this pattern through his entire ministry. It's why we have like most of the New Testament. It is why we have this book, this letter to the church in Colossae, because of Paul's dedication to, to uh, point people to Christ, help them follow Jesus, and do them deliberate spiritual good. Uh, you've heard me say those, that, that terminology a couple times now. That is Mark Devers. Uh, he's a pastor in D.C., that is his definition of discipling, and I love it. So if you're writing stuff down, write this down, okay? Discipling is helping others follow Jesus by doing them deliberate spiritual good. I love that because it's approachable. We can do that. Everybody can do that. Um, so we could pick texts. The wonderful thing is if you, if you think, well, I wonder what Paul said to these people. Uh, we don't have to wonder. We have the epistles in front of us for Paul's teaching people, so we can look exactly how Paul did this. Um, and I could pick many texts as an example, um, but this morning I've, I've picked just a couple uh, just to give us a flavor. So if you've you got your Bible open to Colossians 1, just let your eyes fall a little bit to Colossians 2 uh, and verse 8. There Paul says to the church in Colossae, he says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So you see at the first of that how Paul warns, right? He's like, don't, don't, be, don't be pulled aside to the left or right by, all, by the, the Jewish traditions or by all of the sort of pantheistic Greek culture with all their gods Right? That's the warning. But then he doesn't quit there. He doesn't quit there. He tells them why that's true. He's like, you don't have to look for God in any of those places because you have all of God in Christ. And you have Christ in you. So you don't have to look for God there. You don't need to. So you see how Paul warns them and he teaches them. Warning and teaching. Um, another example is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's, it's next door to Colossians and Philippians. You don't have to turn there. But Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. There, <clears throat> paraphrasing a little bit, Paul tells the church in Philippi to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. And they say, wow, Paul, man, that's, that's a heck of a warning. Like, how do we do that? That's a weird mindset, right? Like, how are we supposed to have that mindset? Well, he tells them. He says, this mindset is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So you see Paul warning and teaching, warning and teaching. 
Um, two observations I want to make that I hope are helpful to us. As we think about how Paul does this, and particularly the teaching part, um, and, and try to sort of apply that to our own lives. Um, observation number one is point to Christ. Um, we can see at every turn, as Paul is teaching these people, he's pointing them to Christ, right? So even as he's saying, don't do this, don't do this, he's showing them Christ as a greater affection. He's, he's doing the work, as John Piper likes to say, not of, not of a microscope where you take something that's tiny and you make it big for people, but of a telescope, right? Where you take something that's already enormous, but is like far away for so many people, right? And you just bring it right in front of their face. Just hold it there so that they fix their eyes on that and it's all they can see. And then as the hymn says, when we do that, the things of earth just grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We don't have time this morning to go through this, but if we did, we could list problem after problem that we've experienced or that other brothers and sisters have experienced, and we could show how the antidote, the perfect antidote, was to point them to Christ, to the person of Christ or the teachings of Christ. Um, And I hope we'll do that exact exercise. In fact, the question's in there in your your guide. I hope we do that in our CGs this week because I think it's fruitful. But this practice of pointing people to Christ, this is at the core of what discipling is. Uh, It's why the sermon is is titled, Him We Proclaim. Because, like, yes, we do that to the lost, but we proclaim Christ to everyone always. Like, we never need to stop being reminded of that. It's how we do people deliberate spiritual good and help them follow their Savior. So that's point one, point to Christ. And then the second point, um, we've got to put in time um, to do this well. It will take great uh, deliberateness and time. In verse 29, Colossians 1.29, verse right after ours, Paul says, um, for this I toil, struggling with all of his energy that he powerfully works within me. He says, I toil for this, right? It doesn't just happen. This, is, this takes great energy on our part. It's a labor. But, but. The promise of verse 29 is that when we labor ourselves, when we labor in God's purposes, he is providing all of the energy that we need, all the fuel for the fight. He's he's providing everything that he's commanded of us. It's like Paul said in uh, in 1 Corinthians 15.10 when he tells the church in Corinth, he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, which there he means an apostle. By the grace of God, I'm an apostle. He says, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, right? So there's the labor part, right? He's laboring. But then he finishes by saying, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. (laughs) So we labor intentionally under the promise that God is supplying to us everything that he's commanding of us. Uh, And then as we approach... um, as we approach time, I want to take just a second on this little phrase, with all wisdom. It's a quick point, but it's a really important point. With all wisdom. Um, we are called to make disciples of Christ. Um, but first, we are, we are called to be disciples of Christ. We are called to follow Jesus, to pursue Christ as our greatest treasure. Let him change us. Let him transform us from one degree of glory to another. Right? And then as we're doing that, as we're in that pursuit, we grab people and we say, come on. We help them. We help them do the same. That way we can say, credibly, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 
you be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Amen. We should all want to be able to say that. Um, there is a lot more. There's a lot more we could say on this topic of discipling. I think we could do another sermon on just the nitty gritty of like what this looks like in our lives. Um, but here's the good news. I think if we follow this blueprint that we've talked through this morning, uh, and, and just working backwards through what we just said, if we'll follow Christ and pursue him as our greatest treasure, and then we will deliberately reach around and grab those and pull those around us with us. If we'll keep their eyes fixed on Christ and labor in this, we will be able to be faithful to this call and do many people a lot of spiritual I opened the sermon this morning um, by asking us to consider the people that have done that in our lives, right? The people that have proclaimed Christ to us and have done us deliberate spiritual good. So you were supposed to make a little mental list. I trust that you did. Um, so now I, I turn that question around and I ask this. If we did the same exercise, that same exercise with all the people that God has placed in our lives, would any of our names make their lists? Brothers and sisters, we were saved, and we know this because the Bible tells us we were saved for a purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we, those who have been saved, for we are his workmanship, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So in a room with this many people, I know those good works would be vast and varied, okay? There'd be many things, but for each of us, it's not less than evangelizing the lost, and discipling the saints, right? That is a call on all of us who are in Christ. That is the work of the church. The reason I wanted to preach this text this morning is not because I think we do this poorly as a church. I think in so many ways we do this really well, and I'm thankful for that. But I wanted to preach it because this idea of discipling others, of being faithful to this call, of living life with brothers and sisters, each helping the other follow Christ, straining toward Christ together, that idea to me is life-changing. I literally look at my own life before I started to live like that and after, and it's like two separate existences for me. I know this has been a powerful truth for me. I want you to know it too. I also want us as a church, as God keeps adding to our number, entrusting souls into our care, right? One day, when we're all standing in front of our king, and he asks us to give an account for all those souls that he placed in our care, I want us to give a faithful account. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, we thank you, Lord, that in your grace, you have allowed us to be a part of your purposes. God, just help us to be faithful to this call. Even now, Lord, place people on our hearts. Um, that we can help follow you this week. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Trails Church. We hope you have been encouraged, equipped, and edified by time spent together in God's Word. And again, if you'd like to find out more about The Trails Church, visit our website, thetrails.org.